You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. Welcome to Primal Radio. This week, live from England only, because Jim McCann is caught up with work. Uh, He'll be back next week. So this week... Great show for you guys. Last year, I did my fourth trip to Slovakia to do some shooting training. Shooting is, you know, I guess a natural progression, or I, that's the way I feel like it. To my martial arts training, it's you know I want to cover all the fighting bases. And I remember Hockheim telling a great story of how when the terrorist was on the beach in Tunisia shooting up the tourists, um, some British tourists had an AK-47 in front of their feet because the security guards had just left them and ran away like cowards um, and they didn't know how to operate that weapon system so you know I kind of feel like everyone should have a little bit of firearms training under their belt and you know look it's kind of fun as well so the guy that was running that course it was a defensive pistol class um, and it's from an operator called uh, Paladin Academy Um, you guys can look them up online was Jan Safarik and I've probably said that wrong, but he's going to correct me. We're going to talk about shooting today and how you guys can get into that. Some of the key things to think about when you're doing shooting training and all the kind of interesting stuff that surrounds that. So welcome to the show, Jan. Hello, sir. That was an awesome introduction. I feel like I, I need some pickup lines, something like that to, to these radio shows. <laughs> you're not going to pick me up, mate. <laughs> well hello guys everyone who's listening welcome to the show mate you're i guess a very thoughtful thinker you've done a lot of research in in the course that i've done and i therefore thought you'd be a great guy to have on the show we've done a couple of shows about shooting and some of the training i've done and we've, we've had some kind of experts from texas i've always found a european can't tell an american a lot about guns but perhaps if, if anyone can it's probably you so I, what i wanted to kind of start with is in Europe we've got very restrictive gun laws and the one place that we seem to be able to go and do some some good shooting training is the Czech Republic and Slovakia um, right. so what what was Czechoslovakia so I, was, I wanted to ask you how's that happened why are, are, are you know your country and um, your neighbors a bit more pro-gun than the rest of Europe well what I think that what happened is uh like during World War Two, we were one of the occupied states, right? Back then, if you had a if you had a gun, you would get a rope. So, anytime when somebody tries to tell you you need to give up your guns, uh, like older people recollect that fascism went in, right? And th- yeah. we had a fascism, then we have a communism. Like Russians occupied us before we were protectorate of uh, of Germany. So I believe. Uh, I believe that's the that's the case. Like people recall these things and uh, make a correlations with uh, fascism and and communism. Yeah, that's interesting. One thing that I think is lost a lot on British people certainly is the political dynamic in the U.S. That you know the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms in the U.S. was designed to keep their politicians in check. Right. 
you're kind of saying the same thing you know it's, it's designed to stop the likes of germany the likes of russia kind of taking over your country and it's seen seen as a protective measure there and that i think that's lost around the rest of europe yes is it under threat your ability to bear arms over there Yes, it is like as we are part of a European Union and European Union is becoming a fascist kind of a communist leftish hellhole, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's endangered. It's endangered our right to bear arms from these lefties. What are the laws for you to bear arms in the US? It varies very much from state to state. But right. um, what kind of qualifications do you have to have in order to have a gun right now i think we are fine i think we have the most benevolent uh, gun rights in europe so far i need to do a test uh, like a kind of a shooting test assembly disassembly and uh, i need to prove that i know laws uh, regarding uh, carrying firearms and firearms in general so i need to do this kind of a ccv test concealed carry weapon test so yeah when i do that i can apply for a gun permit yeah and then i can buy a gun when i buy a gun i need to re register that gun within 10 days that's kind of sucks but yeah that doesn't sound too restrictive i mean are there any weird elements like in the u.s you get a lot of states where it's like you know you can have a automatic rifle but it can only hold 10 bullets and has to be side loaded or something like that what what's yeah, yeah. Like, right now right now it doesn't if you have a if you have a, a ccw permit you can do pretty much whatever you want uh, right now you can carry if you want in Czech republic you can carry a full-size rifle with 30 round like with a fucking drum mag 50 70 round mag for personal protection you just need to carry it hidden that's all the necessities you have to done nobody can know about it so put it under your coat and you're good and are there like a lot of incidents that are kind of testing that well, I'll, t I'll give you an example so we had there's a town up in scotland Dunblane where Andy Murray the tennis player's from and mm -hmm. in the early 90s there was a, a guy who you know took a couple of handguns and killed a load of kids in a school mm -hmm. and for that reason handguns have been banned ever since in the UK are there incidents like that that are, I guess are like testing pushing the left towards banning the guns well no not really there are a few here and there uh, like I mean like, it was like seven years back uh there was a guy with vz58 uh start shooting gypsies they were partying all night right <laughs> so he just like he just lost his shit and <laughs> but he actually he actually put his ear pro on <laughs> and go to work it was uh yeah so there was um See, he didn't just flip out. He was properly like, well, I'm going to yeah, go and do yeah. this properly. I, I, would, I yeah, don't want to yeah, damage yeah. my hearing. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, that was kind of interesting. But they didn't really trip out anyone. Uh, they scrub it off like uh, he's just uh, he was just a weirdo and uh, and a sick person. So in the psychological problems, right, they didn't blame guns per se. A few years back, I believe it was uh, three years back, uh, one guy in a pub his friends were talking shit so he went home went back in a pub and uh, started shooting that was more intense because there was a cop got in front of a pub since then we started talking about talking about vetting people and their psychological profiles but that didn't happen so there was no psychological evaluation in order to get a gun uh not necessarily 
uh, it's up to your doctor to decide if you need one or if if the doctor needs one to give you green light to get a ccv so i've been out with some of the guys and you know they'll be concealed carrying we're, we're going to like a bar or something like that but you know is it a well-known thing that a lot of guys would be carrying would would, would that be if you yep. went into like a bar or something like that would you think like one or two might have a gun on them statistically there's a three hundred thousand people so every how, what was that there's 10 million people in czech republic 300 300 ccv carriers like ccv uh permits i would say just from subjective standpoint i think that's 10 percent of them that carry guns so it's how was that thirty thousand? so it's about three percent am i right yeah so pr- pretty small the uptake's much lower than the u.s i guess it's a little bit lower but because in the u.s everybody has guns right not everybody has has a ccw permit no good so, point yeah the numbers are pretty much the same in u.s is a little bit higher of concealed carry class like concealed carry holders than in Czech republic but it's not that much of a difference Right. And how did you get into all this? You know, did you t- did you pick this up as like a teenager? Is it something like, you know, your dad took you shooting? <laughs> well, well, when I was young, I always wanted to... I was shooting BB guns, right? Air rifles. Yeah, yeah, I loved all that stuff. As everybody does, right? So yeah, I was, uh, I was 13 and I wanted to try something more. Locally in our village, there are uh, hunters. You would call them hunt- hunters, I guess. They were having some event. So, yeah, there was shotguns, and I was like, yeah, I want to try that. So I did. I was better than most of them because most of them were drunk, uh, <laughs> right? As they as they are in here, Czech Republic and, and in Europe, unfortunately. But they were like, yeah, you, you're pretty good. You should start making it as a sport. So I did, yeah. There was my starts with the shotguns. I was shooting skeet for about five six years then i wasn't good enough to get into a czech representation uh, that means funding gets gets cut off so as an 18 year old you need to pay your own ammo and shit which is a lot of money so i stopped when i got a little bit older 22 i believe i started making a lot of money and getting got into guns again nice and in terms of like the competition stuff you were doing what kind of formats was that were you doing any ipsec stuff or no, I, I don't really care about competitions, uh, IDPA, IPSC, nothing like that, because there are a lot of dumb rules. Like, you get points down for uh, ejecting your mag on the ground, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. It's just dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really care. I don't have I don't have an ego in this. I don't need to prove myself that I'm faster than anyone else. So, no, I don't really do matches you seem like a guy who's not a big one for the rules anyway and i, I remember with your training i mean it, it, i mean it was definitely it was safe but i remember you were standing beyond the line of fire and you were kind of i guess in my field of vision so you were off slightly to the right and I, because you were standing there i didn't shoot so i draw my gun and i was like kind of waiting for you to i guess step backwards and then you started shouting at me like shoot 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 and i was letting off rounds but you do wander in that space, which at a range might be frowned upon. Right, right. It's a defensive class, right? And if you need to defend a life, most likely there's going to be more people that you don't want to shoot than the people that you do. That's right. And uh, I would like to experience that beforehand. Yeah, and you put a big emphasis on like the, the tourniquet as an example. 
at right. the beginning. So there was a strong emphasis on defending people, shot selection, not not shooting the innocent bystander, etc. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. What's your view on those kind of courses where you can't do X, Y, and Z? You were giving us a much more immersive experience. Well, <laughs> I'm thinking about it uh, in in uh, recent days, how to do classes and why people do classes the way they do, because you can you can run like, there's a cold range and hot range right cold range means after every repetition you hear something like unload and show clear so nobody nobody has loaded guns do you carry unloaded gun no that would be just stupid so don't train with unloaded gun so most classes are shooting classes not really fighting classes and don't don't really teach you how to live with that gun but I'm I'm thinking about it recently quite a lot because when you have a cold range, you're lowering your chance of something happening. Like if you really wanna do these classes, it's over when someone shoots themselves in the ass, right? Yeah. The class is over. And you as an instructor are are done. Forever. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Most likely forever. Yeah. And if you're done, you're not teaching anyone. That's right. So you can dial it down and teach on a cold range, or you can bump it up and risk somebody really doing something stupid. Sorry, I'm thinking about it recently, but I don't want to dial it down. Right. Because, I, damn, that's one of the things why I'm standing in front of you when you are shooting on, on a target, because I got only one day. If I'm standing there, you are actually learning faster because you are in that stress. Yeah, so you were doing a lot of, I guess, um, what's possibly in terms called adrenal response training. And you were running through, you know, how your body gets affected at different, you know, heart rates. Do you want to walk us through some of that? Is there a specific question? So if I'm, you, you, you gave the example of a cold range. So like if I'm just drawing the gun and at my own leisurely pace, Mm-hmm. picking out a target i should be pretty accurate i'm doing everything in a co- controlled way because my heart rate's really low if we're doing some of the training that we did with you which is a fair bit more intense the heart, heart rate's going up quite a lot and then i guess if you're in a full-on battle situation the kind of thing you know like a, a navy seal might be in you'd have to have considerable training to keep your heart rate down right. otherwise you'd you know you'd be massively affected right Right. Well, well, there's a thing. What you will not learn under adrenalized state, you will not recall under adrenalized state. So you should train under some severe, like not severe circumstances, but some, some of a stress should be put on you. And I mean stress by mental stress. It's not the same when you run five blocks and then shoot. It's just not the same. You need to be mentally stressed. Give me an example of how you'd sort of simulate that in, in a training drill. Well, I'm standing in front of you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's a good example, I'm... yeah. <laughs> okay, and, and some others? I mean, yelling works, sign, like sometimes, kind of, depending on a, on a student. Everybody's running uh, hot guns, so that's one of, uh, one of the differences when people uh, really get a bit, I wouldn't say nervous, but kind of kind of stressed out because everybody has a loaded gun which they are not used to there's a yelling like people are yelling you have to yell something like 
the idea that you're going to be quiet when you need to shoot somebody is just nonsense. You're going to yell something. So let's yell something that is, that is of use, right? So everybody's yelling, everybody's moving, everybody's shooting. Now, sometimes I put some pyrotechnics in, and the, but most importantly, I am standing in front of you or next to a target. That's the, that's the most intensive one. Yeah, I can relate to that. I want to take you back to something you, you, you said earlier about, I think they call it a condition one carry or something like that, where there's like a round in the chamber. Mm-hmm. I believe the Israelis tend to go for, you know, there isn't a round in the chamber. So, it, you know, when you draw your gun, you would always cock it before firing. And I was right. asking a British military guy about the, about the same thing. And he, his view was, you know, it depends on the scenario. So, you know, in a safe environment, he wouldn't. But if, if he was in a war zone, then he might do condition one carry. But you know, what what's your view on always having a round chambered? <laughs> Why would you carry unloaded gun? Because that's what it is. If you don't have a round in a chamber, that's unloaded gun. Why would you carry unloaded gun? That's just stupid. That's first of all. Second of all, what is dangerous environment? If I know that something's going to happen, uh, first of all, I'm not there, but I don't know. I might get a bagel, go to a fucking store, right? Tesco store or something like that. And there, there was actually a guy in a Tesco, in a store. That's European way of, uh, of a Walmart. Yeah. You know, European Walmart is Tesco. And there was a guy with a machete waving a machete on a security guy. And just they were just running around. Yeah, in, right. Like, like, what the fuck? He's just looking at them like, what the fuck? What's going on here, right? These things do happen. So where are you really safe? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, have a carry a loaded gun. So, so you've done a lot of training in the US as well, right? How does it, I guess, is, does it differ over there? You know, did you learn the majority of your stuff from, from working with those guys? Or did you find that there was good, solid training stuff that you could take over there and they were like, oh, this is, this is pretty cool or we don't do that here? Well, U.S. is really more advanced when it comes to a, a gun training. Just hands down, way more advanced. But with that said, U.S. is pretty much like the people in States are pretty much the same people in Europe. In States, you have dumb gun laws. It differs state from state. You have cold ranges. You have hot ranges, right? That's the exactly the same kind of shit like like in here but i have the fortunate thing that i was training with uh with the guys that take things seriously and uh carry loaded guns and uh train you not just a just a skill shooting but fighting <laughs> i'm sorry what was the question just whether whether the u.s I guess could learn anything from Europe or whether it's all entirely, you know, we need to learn our stuff from them. I, I do see them as the world leaders, obviously, but there seems to be so many different ways of like going about shooting. And, and some, you know, I, having done, right. I guess, four courses, I have seen various differences in the way guys operate. Mm-hmm. And that's been interesting to see. What's your view, I guess, on what's right and what's wrong, aside from, I guess, the obvious, which is it's got to work. To answer that question, I would love to say that U.S., like Americans, have there's something that they can learn from us in a way of gun handling or shooting or fighting with guns. 
people, but it's just not true. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that'd probably be the answer. They really are uh, way better in gun handling and, and fighting with firearms. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It, and in terms of like, I guess the right and wrong way of doing things, because I, I saw a video, it was um, some guys who worked for Sig Sawyer and they were talking about, you can hold a gun upside down and pull the trigger with your little finger. And I can, he was like, I'd still be pretty accurate. I mean, he was like, you know, hitting the target from a, a fair distance, mm -hmm. just doing it like that. So his point was, you know, we don't massively place emphasis at Sig on operating in a certain way. Mm -hmm. provided it works we're kind of happy but we'll do certain range disciplines as you know just to ensure that the guys are safe and uh, we're, we're results led but then equally you know i've worked with different people you know in, in the che in czech republic i was working with a guy who who was you know influenced by the israeli way of doing things um i think yours is probably driven out of out of texas <laughs> uh it's more of a, a more of a Tennessee, really tactical response in Tennessee. That's most influence on me. Okay, and what were the, those guys? What what were their key fundamentals? What were their golden rules, so to speak? Are you asking something something particular, or yeah, I mean, in the safeties or everything from stance to drawing to you know having a, having around in the chamber. What what are your you pro, you've probably trained with a lot of people. I think one thing that training with you, we, the way we did the scanning was different to what I've done elsewhere. Well, it all kind of trickles down to a very simple thing, like like so simple that it kind of a kind of a remains hidden to a to a lot of shooters because they were growing in a complicated shooting world. I would, I don't know how to put it, but let's say carry a loaded gun. Unloaded guns are stupid. It's very simple, right? Is there somebody you need to kill? All right, he's in front of you. Let's take or take care of that business. Now there is somebody who need who wants to kill you, and he's most likely behind you. Do you turn your head, or do you turn yourself to the back when somebody wants to kill you? Well, you you turn your whole body, right? It's very yeah. simple. It's just simple simple rules like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I do always done that scan behind you because I guess you're engaging a target that's in front, i.e., you know, on a range it, that's always going to be in front of you. But you're right; the real life application is there's going to be, you know, three sixty world exactly, yeah. exactly. But yeah, that's that's the thing: hard ranges and cold ranges. Like if I'm going to start scanning and I'm going to turn my whole body around, a lot of people will lose their shit. Because I'm turning around with the gun in my hand, which is, of course, uh, pointing at the big blue thing up there. Uh, so nobody's really, I'm not really muzzling anybody and, and stuff. So it's perfectly safe, but people will lose their shit because I'm not turned to that target. And what kind of drills do you place most value on? What kind of skills are you really trying to hone, for example? I mean, there's everything from like groupings to doing a quick draw, etc. What are your key go-to drills that you in introduce for your guys? Again, it's really simple. Uh, what are you going to do first when someone tries to kill you? First of all, you start moving. Uh, so you should move. Uh, Second of all, you start drawing, so you should draw. And if you carry concealed carry, you draw from concealed carry. So that's the most important one. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how fast you are, what what your splits are. If you 
if you fumble your gun because you never draw from concealed carry, right? Because you always fucking ninja out, ninja out, and uh, put on your Superman suit and go out with, the, with your outside waistband holsters, stuff like that, because it's easy, easier to draw. So yeah, you need to you need to train as you're going to be fighting. So if you are carry concealed carry, you need to do that. That's I would put more most emphasis on that. You need to put enough rounds to make them leave you alone, right? The shooting part isn't really that hard. I mean, it really isn't. What is hard is to persuade people that they actually carry their guns. Because as I said, it doesn't matter how fast your splits are if you left your gun at home. That's the end of fighting, right? You're a victim of a shooting. You're not really in, in a fight if you don't have a gun. So that's the, that's the most important part. Have you ever done any martial arts training, Jan? Uh, martial arts, yes. I did martial arts. I did a Krav Maga when I was younger, as everyone. Uh, now I'm doing a uh, Panantukan. Yeah. I guess nice. that's that's the way how to pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah empty-handed Filipino boxing. Right, right, right. It doesn't satisfy me right now, so I'm looking for more, and I'm try. I'm gonna try BJJ and uh, MMA. That's that's the thing that I'm gonna I'm gonna get into. Yeah. You can find a lot of that stuff readily. You know, you don't have to look look too far in, right. in Bratislava and the surrounding areas. Yeah, yeah. Like any major city has a MMA gym, right, or BJJ gym. More or less, like better or worse, there these things are out there. So yeah, it's not. It's really easy to find. I mean, do you take the martial arts mindset to your shooting and the shooting mindset to the martial arts? Is there a lot of crossover there? I believe it is because it's it's fighting. So you need to you need to decide to be aggressive enough, quickly enough. Uh, and the best way how to practice that is martial arts, right? Yeah. Sparring. That's it. You really need to decide to be aggressive enough, quickly enough. And the best way how to do it is martial arts. I think I draw parallels from both. And it's something like Andy Jansen and Mick Coop have referred to. Mick's going to be running a, co a course in Slovakia for us, I think, next time we visit. Mm -hmm. One of the great things about the shooting is it's serious shit. You have to take it seriously. Otherwise, people can get seriously injured and seriously hurt. People don't always do that with martial arts to the same extent. When you were saying about, you know, ability to move, well, you know, if you're just standing there with a guy holding pads in front of you, that's not realistic because real fights, people right. fight back. And, and this is something Hot Cockheim, who've had on the show, has referred to as well. You know, like, you're not really shooting unless someone's shooting back at you, which I think is a, a great little, great <laughs> right. little quote. So he does a lot of things with using airsoft, using sims to you know, put you in a real sort of battle environment. You meant fighting, right? You're not really fighting if some, someone is shooting back on you. Both, actually, yeah. With boxing, it's if someone's just holding pads, it's not a real fight. If someone's actually trying to punch you back and you have to defend yourself. Sparring, you need to spar in your gym. Like, if, you, if you're doing some martial arts and you're not f really fighting together, sparring, I don't think it's, it's good enough. You have to develop certain skills, and I think range time's very important, you know. Can you make it work in battle? And, and that's where you, you know, things like Sims and, and Airsoft, etc. do come in. Mm -hmm. There's so much stuff you can do with the shooting around drills. And I think a point that Mick Coop made and is the bullet marks don't lie. Right. If you hit that target and there's a hole in it, you know you achieved your objective. Mm -hmm. 
with boxing, people might be like, well, I, I would have knocked him out. And it's like, yeah, but did you knock him out? Because unless, <laughs> yeah. unless you actually did knock that person out, that punch maybe was ineffective. You can't lie with the gun. <laughs> right, 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 right. Mental colour code. This was something that came up in your course. Mm-hmm. Do you want to walk us through those? Yeah, uh, mental color color code. So it's kind of a description and description of a state of your mind. Mental color codes uh, are named by Jeff Cooper. It is white, yellow, orange, and red. I believe there was uh, there was five of them. Used to be five of them. Now it's just four. Not really sure. Somebody will. I'm pretty sure somebody will correct me on that. Starts with white. White is uh, all the all the people with. Uh, Hand-painted T-shirts, wooden beads on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> these, these guys. Uh, like, I've never done anything to anyone, so nothing bad happens to me, right? Yeah, right. These people are in white. They're just in a denial of something actually happening. These people are usually freeze on place when something goes down. That's not us, right? So they're unaware and unprepared. Unaware. Unaware, unprepared. Uh, yellow would be kind of relaxed. You are aware of a danger, but you're not really, how to say that? Aroused is not the word. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny word. <laughs> yellow, you kind of relaxed. It's a relaxed alert, yes. Orange would be specific alert, yeah. Uh, you know there's something, something might be going on. You look around, you keep your head on a swivel, which is the most important thing, really. Keep your head up because it doesn't really matter how fast you are in your draw if you just if you're looking into your phone and you just don't see something is coming. So yeah, you just piss out these three seconds because you are texting and shit. One of the most common robberies we have in the UK is people come out of the underground or, you know, the subway. They didn't have any reception on their phone, so they get their phone out and that's where people rob their phones. Right, right, (laughs) yeah. Because they're not alert at all. And I guess, I I think you talked about victim selection a bit as well. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for the person that is totally unprepared. Uh, So what's Condition Red then? Condition Red is, uh, (laughs) now it seems like I made all these colors, but... Yeah, all the credits to Jeff Cooper. Uh, red would be you are in a fight. You know something's coming. You like you are in a fight. You need to draw. You need to fucking move away. Like get off that axe. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you fighting. That's a condition red. We also covered you know what happens after maybe you've shot someone. You know you, you've had to defend yourself. Talk us through some of the process that goes there. Because one thing you made very clear, which resonates with me, is that police officer that comes along and is going to interview you, they're not going to be your friend. Yeah, be professional, be friendly, but they are not your friends. You need to remember that. There's a police officers and there's a detectives, right? Detectives, they are actually taught in academy that everyone is guilty of something. And their job is to find out what it is. They don't really give a shit about you. They are there to find out what you are guilty of. So be friendly, but shut the fuck up. Yeah, I think you gave the example of if you just tell us what happened, we can all go home. What does that mean in reality? They will try to calm you down, of course. Uh, They will try to 
pose as a as your friend but that's the most that's the one of the important things they are not your friends but they will act as they are your friends and they want to help you out they don't so yeah the most uh, dangerous question you can get is uh tell us what happened and you can go home <laughs> yeah 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 people need to understand that if you shot someone you're not going home you you just not the same thing would cross over, I guess, if you if you were having a fight. Mm -hmm. How should someone respond in, 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 in that situation? Yeah, tell them who you are and shut the fuck up. There's a video of, uh, of lawyers. Uh, they're actually rapping or something like that. It's a sh and they're rapping about, it's a shut the fuck up Friday. <laughs> Look it up. It's, it's uh, enjoyable. Uh, but yeah, uh, tell them who you are. Tell them like where you live, stuff like that. Uh, and then call your lawyer and shut the fuck up. Yeah, and I think that's a really valuable piece of information for everyone listening. They're, they're not going to be your friend. They are out to get you. And it's not they will be friendly and they will be opposing as your friend. And they will try to imply that when you tell them what happened, you can go home and everything will be fine. And they will try to impose like they are there to help you. They don't give a fuck about you. They are doing their job. Yeah, just shut the fuck up. You're not going home. And your friend had an experience like this, right? Or, or was it, I, th I think you were trying to raise a bit of money or have like a, a kind of pool. For <laughs> it was me, actually. Oh, oh I got, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us this story, Jan. Uh, yeah, I got busted uh, for unlawful carry in state of Texas. I mean, the case is closed now, so I can talk about it. I was carrying Glock 19 uh, in U when I was in U.S. And uh, as far as uh, as I know, I couldn't get concealed carry license as I'm not a United States citizen, which, of course, didn't stop me. So, yeah, <laughs> I was did carrying you, a gun. Did you feel a need to carry? I mean, presumably you were with guys who probably could carry if you were with guys from Texas. Texas is, has its specifics. To a question, if I, if I felt a need, yes. As, uh, as far as I know, United States uh, has about 60 times more aggravated assaults as in Czech Republic. So, yes, I felt I need to carry. Uh, I, and I don't carry just because of myself. I carry just if something happens, right? Because if you don't have a gun, you just you can't really do much if someone else do have a gun. And since we are in U.S., everybody and their mothers have guns. So yeah, for, I got busted for unlawful carry. For yeah, the the story goes, uh, we were making videos in Texas and we were getting home in in Tennessee, uh, from Bastrop, Texas, into a Camden, Tennessee, and there's a so highway. So these are like shooting videos. Yeah, we were going back home. Stopped at the gas station uh, to get monsters, right? As you do. What I didn't know, we were driving a uh, big ass big Ram. I believe it was 1500 yeah. big ass truck right uh with blacked windows and we were two young guys uh who were printing like if you know what you're looking for you see gun like if you see people printing if you know what to look for uh so yeah we, we were carrying guns and uh just on that so is that like a silhouette of a gun so let's say for example i had uh, an appendix carry but maybe you've got a six pack <laughs> like me <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know you're you're jeans are sort of pushed out was it would it was is it something like that or you yeah, just there's... fit the sort of mo of being a shooter 
Well, there's a there's a bump. First of all, you see bump on a four o'clock or on your appendix, right? Yeah. Most mostly, if you mostly, it's some kind of a bump. Then you have a beard, shaved head, uh, and a big ass truck with blacked windows. So you are either a shooter, a police officer, or a drug dealer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Unfortunately, I found out later on a on a court that those police officers who actually who actually searched us, uh, they came like let's say like there's police officers, right? They stopped at behind us and they think that we are law enforcement. So they got out and they want to talk like friend to friend, just like a like a law enforcement friends, right? Like what's up? Yeah. Needless to say, they figured out pretty fucking fast that I'm not law enforcement. I guess it was uh, my accent. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so if I'm not law enforcement, I'm a I'm a drug dealer. On that highway, in a big ass truck, two young guys, uh, obviously carrying guns. We must be a drug dealers. That's a probable cause. If you see printing, if you see people printing, and they're at a gas station, gas station are one of those places where you cannot carry guns. Gas stations, schools, post offices, and banks, I believe it was. And the parking lot of a gas station is still a gas station. And, like, you can carry guns on a places where you sell liquor. And gas station is a place where you can sell liquor. And there were actually liquor in that gas station. And a parking lot of a gas station is still a gas station, the place where you sell liquor. So you now you are carrying gun on a place where liquor is sold so you'd have to like stick it in the glove compartment if you went in to like go and pay for your petrol yes yes the moment i stepped on the ground it was actually misdemeanor uh, class a i believe it was but so they then stop you they, they say like oh you, you know you it looks like you're carrying there that's a yeah yeah they, they figured out pretty quickly that uh they were, yeah i'm carrying guns so usual hands on a hood and uh they found gun now they want to look into a car. They they were actually looking for drugs. Yeah, sure. They wanted to look into that car. They didn't really care about anything else. There's a kind of fuzzy thing. Like they brought the dog to sniff some drugs, and we believe, and I'm sure people can tell me if it's if it's right or wrong, but those dogs are trained to sign they found something on a cube. When the police officer has a dead dog, the police officer can give him a cue and the dog will make a sign that he found the drugs. How would you say it? I think they sit down, don't they, normally? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm absolutely 100% positive that in that car never were any drugs. And I didn't have any drugs, obviously, as they searched us. They didn't find any drugs in a car, of course. Neither my colleague didn't carry any drugs or anything like that. But they found guns. And since I didn't have a concealed carry permit, that's that unlawful carry weapon. Yeah. You know, you couldn't talk to them and say, look, you know, I'm, I'm over here. I'm a gun enthusiast and I'm doing some shooting with my friends. They didn't care. Right. They were those kind of cops. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, there was a big ass medical bag in a bag, right? In the back of a car. So you find big ass medical bag. You kind of know those are good guys. Yeah responsible uh, I w yeah i would think but what might actually happen they might actually let us go i don't really know but since i was uh since i was from czech republic uh they called it in and now it goes through a proper channels right 
now it becomes a more severe thing. Like they need to find out who I am, why am I there? And now it evolves a lot more people. You ch you cannot just let it go. Yeah. That might be a thing. What, what might happen, they would just let us go. But since I was from Czech Republic and, uh, and there was the whole thing that they probably couldn't just. Trump hadn't built the wall to keep you out yet. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and kind of, uh, yeah, we were brought to a judge and, and judge is, is looking at us and he's like, did you open carry? And we're like, no, no, we're not fucking stupid, no. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Uh, what's the lowest bail I can give you? I can give you. He's like, what's the lowest bail? 250? And the bailiff is like, uh, no, judge, it's uh, the lowest one is uh, 500. He kind of knew it. It's a bullshit, so... Yeah, I was in a jail for 48 hours. Uh, my friend was there for uh, about 12, I believe. Were you like properly scared? Because like American jails are fucking scary. I I'm obsessed with TV shows about American jails. Yeah, I think they're unbelievable. Yeah, well, what you see in movies is actually right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You can't take a shit without uh, everyone looking at you. Just can't, right? And you were in one of those open jails, presumably, where it's like everyone's waiting, you know, to get processed. Well, that's a that's a holding cell. I was there for about 12 hours. Then you go, since nobody came to pick you up, you go to jail. And in a jail, you actually wait in for a court. And after the court, you either go free or you go to prison. You must have been quite scared, right? Yeah, it was scary. <laughs> there were a few few moments when I was thinking about crawling into a puddle and start crying, but <laughs> yeah. Then I was like, "Fuck it, this is what you signed up for. Fuck it, man up." <laughs> the worst thing is is the boredom. There's nothing to do. You can read Bible, or you can watch Price is Right on a shared TV. You can't really do anything. You can sleep, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. And no windows. And that's only like 48 hours, right? Imagine if you were there for like a year. Fucking hell. Just until the court decides what to do with you. There was a guy who was there, a young guy, who was there for 40 days. Four zero days. Do you ever see that show 60 Days in Jail? Yep. This show, for, for those who haven't seen it, was it, they did two seasons of it and it was like regular people who've done nothing wrong and for a, what do they call it, a reality TV show... Mm -hmm. they would go and stay in in the jail. And it was one of these jails where it was like, it was meant to hold, let's say, 30 people, and it's got 40 people, 50 people right. in there. Everything's getting video, but even the staff don't know it's a TV show. And they've all got to maintain their cover. And in this thing, it was like one of, it's exactly what you described. So they're all waiting to go to court, but you had everyone up to like murderers there. And some of the murderers, it's like they want to put off you know, their trial. So the longer it goes on, the more likely it is that the cops lose their evidence or mm -hmm. the, the right. case falls apart. So they just like keep them in there. So some of these guys have been in there for like a year or two. Mm -hmm. And then you've got these people who've never committed a crime at pretending <laughs> to be to be criminals. Amazing show. That is really worth watching. Yeah. Well, take a look. Yeah. But you lived yeah, it anyway. You lived it. 
there yeah there's weird weird things going on in in jail like the currency is different <laughs> like there's soap bars uh, soap bars and uh toothpaste yeah stuff don't like drop that, the right? soap that's one thing I've learned. <laughs> what you've learned? Yeah. I know where. Yeah, I'll correct shared, myself there. Shared showers, shared showers, of course. But it's it's pretty much the same as a toilet. So the staff actually can see you in the shower. So I don't think... I can I can imagine something happening like that, like, uh, like fucking in the ass, right? Yeah, right, yeah. Going on in there, in a jail where, where I was. It was all all ended okay, right? Yes, yes. I'm I'm home. Of uh, uh, as far as I know, I can return into the U.S. It, it was a misdemeanor. I am a uh, I did a twenty hours of uh, community service. Cost me four thousand dollars for a lawyer. Lost the gun. Unfortunately, those that's gone. What they kept it? Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, and damn, man, I was uh, carrying a uh, silverback, like gorilla silverback, hollow points. Uh, two full mags, so it's uh, 34 rounds plus one. I was lucky it was in Texas, because if it would happen in New York, I would be fucked. That's 34 felonies right there. Yeah, and was that your was that your buddy's gun, or was that, that like a gun, that you, kind of your gun while you were over in the US? Let's, uh, let's say I found it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine that story didn't go down very well. I didn't tell them much and it's like you would be amazed how much people talk in jail like if if i would be informer like within 10 hours i knew where pretty much most of them hide their weed all their pills what they did what they didn't do stuff like people talk man it's amazing so that's what that 60 days in jail was like because they wanted these guys who were in there to snitch on how they were getting the drugs in and out of the cell and right. who was running it, who, you know, it was fascinating stuff. But so that's interesting. They open up. I, I would imagine everyone's kind of, you know, holding it down. Nope. They talk. They talk a lot. And uh, what was amazing that even though I was in US, in the U- United States jail, people didn't really know their way about guns. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, but you get you do get that. Right. So there's people like who who love them and they're enthusiasts. But there's even cops who who like probably go through years and years and years and they never practice shooting. You know, they just did whatever they did in basic training and they'd, they'd, they'd be terrible with a gun, probably. Yeah. And Well, I didn't mean like they didn't know how to handle guns. So they didn't even know. Like the differences with, like the when you say M16, they were like, "Wow, fucking M16, yeah, that's the that's the gun, right?" Uh, and that's the only gun they know. <laughs> yeah, like we were kids and we were trying to be around guns and everything was awesome, and there there was this nine millimeter. That's all you know. That this nine, right? <laughs> and, and that's all. That's pretty much their gun knowledge. People in jail, you know. I wouldn't say I'm an expert or anything, but you know, I've I've got friends like that who they wouldn't know n- the names of any guns at all, you know. And likewise with the martial arts, they've got no interest in the martial arts. So I go out and I meet these guys and have a beer with them. Inevitably, the fucking chat all goes on to Brexit, and I I've got no interest in Brexit <laughs> really. So yeah, you just end up hearing about politics. It, it, it's having weird hobbies is a tough one, right? You have to be around other people that know what they're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it was okay, and that—that's the good thing is you can go back to America. 
you can still go and shoot guns over there. Do you think you learned a lesson? I was carrying one gun before they got me. Uh, then they got me out. I got released on bail. I must admit, I didn't carry a gun for the next 24 hours because I was kind of scared. No, not kind of scared. I was, I was scared. I was like... Probably keeping an eye on you. Yeah, like a kind of... When you carry a gun, you can protect others. If they got you locked up, you're not protecting anyone. No, you're just protecting your own ass. Right, right. So, so I was, yeah. So I was thinking, like, yeah, let's protect myself first, and then when I go back, I can protect all others. Right. That took me about twenty-four hours, and then I carried two guns. <laughs> and there's a valuable lesson there, listeners. <laughs> if you can carry a gun, yeah, carry a gun. If you can carry two, carry two. <laughs> there were the amazing people when I was around. Amazing people. Like I came back, and uh, they were like. I've heard that you got busted, uh, and they they took your gun. So uh, here's a Glock 19. And then a few hours later, another friend came in and was like, uh, yeah, I've heard uh, you've lost your gun. So uh, here's a revolver. Wow. So yeah, I carried a Glock 19 and a revolver. Good friends. Those are the kind of people you need to know. So let's say... Let's say um... The EU take your guns. Are you going to like try and move <laughs> back to America or what, what would you do? I was thinking about it. I really don't know what's going to happen if EU will try to take my guns. I, I really don't know. I'm afraid to, to say. Come to the UK. It's going to be like the Wild West over here after Brexit. Everyone will have guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. In UK, a lot of people have guns. They're just don't have them legally right like people there's pe a bit of there that. is a shooting in london almost every other day is it is that correct could be true could be true that's what i've heard i don't don't really take my word for it i i don't know anything there's certain there's certainly a lot of stabbings that's the another thing not you just how stupid you have to be to bend knives just amazing yeah, it's like it's like the I didn't read it right now. It's just quoting a title. Uh, the title is Three Felonies a Day." Yeah, that definitely feels about right. Yeah, that that premise that everyone does three felonies a day, and if they want to get you, they will get you. Yeah. So yeah, so you ban knives, and then you ban, what? What are you gonna ban? And then fucking forks? I, I don't know. <laughs> Spoons or sporks. You know, that's a yes, spoon and a spoon, yeah, yeah. spoon and a fork together. Crazy, it's crazy. But that's the kind of dumb shit you get over here, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm wondering where, where it ends. Yeah, ban everything. Everything. And ev everyone, ban it. Yeah. <laughs> Jan, could you tell me a bit about the Y protocol? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, there's... Uh... The shortcut would be fast, uh, fight, assess, scan, and top off, uh, which is a kind of a basics, really, and a kind of a structure uh, that everybody teaches, and everybody teaches it differently. Let's say scan, right? You scan to find out if someone wants to kill you. Well, so let's take it, let's take it in, in order. Like fight, you take the victory, right? And that's the important part. You are not given the victory. You are taking the victory. So fight. Go through those people. Uh, then you assess, do you need to fight anymore? Like you check those people if they need to be shot some more. Then you scan, do you need to fight 
someone else. Oh, so you look around and you look around 360 look around. Oh. Do I need to fight somebody else? Uh, no, I don't. Probably. Uh, no, or if you don't, then you top off. You get ready to fight again. That means you top off your gun. And uh, again, that's all. A lot of differences between schools, like someone teaches a tactical reload when you fumble in two mags uh, around, or you just put your mags to the ground and put the new one in, whatever you want to do. But you need to top off your gun or make ready to fight again. That would be wire protocol. Yeah, it's actually the shortcut would be move fast. Moving is the essential part and it goes through all as a, as a first thing. You move and then you do everything else. As not getting shot is more important than shooting a bad guy. So, yeah, make it harder to, to hit you and move. Who was Wyatt? Like, cause there's like Wyatt Earp, like the cowboy guy. It's not him, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, no, it's, not, uh, it's not him. You've talked before about, you know, the fight or flight response and... Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's, we had a guy on the, the show uh, called Nick Hughes who's done a book called How to Be Your Own Bodyguard which is you know all about kind of risk management you can take in your day-to-day life and knowing how to deal with sort of dangerous situations but primarily how to avoid them and mm-hmm. he was talking about you know fight flight freeze right and then he had a couple of others which I'd never heard before which was front which is where you kind of pretend puffing your chest out and mm-hmm. talking all aggressive and um, I think like I think there was one like fainting or or faking or something like that. So there, there, there was there, there was all those kind of considerations. But I, I guess a key part of your training is to get people thinking about fighting rather than rather than freezing. And I, I've had that, you know, when it all, when you're shouting at me and I've got to like draw my gun and maybe sit, I've got a simulated jam. It becomes pretty kind of stressful, right? Fight or flight, yeah, fight, flight, or freeze. Uh, yeah, you need to train uh, as you're going to be fighting. You need to train in adrenalized state. However, you can achieve that. Usually, uh, better instructors can achieve that faster, or like can make the environment stressful for you faster. And uh, make sure what are you actually what are you actually getting? Like, where are you where are you going? What kind of class? Is it a shooting class or is it a fighting class? Because a lot of people claim things like uh, they were fighting in Iraq and Afghanistan, stuff like that. So you naturally uh, presume it's going to be fighting class. But at the end, it's uh, like an IDPA, just a skill-based class. So, But usually they will tell you in a description of a class, there is a, uh, there is a description that it's a skill-based class and it's a shooting class, not a fighting class. You need to read those. Yeah, and, and I guess the objectives for each is, is kind of different. Right, yeah, yeah. Did you, um, did you ever think about joining the military over there? Because you're, you're a proper weekend warrior, right? I mean, you, you've gone all over the world doing this stuff. Are you full-time teaching, shooting? Right, right. Is that your full-time job? Yes, yes. If I was thinking about joining the military, uh, no, no. Not even a law enforcement, and this is why. Military is there to protect the establishment. Yeah. I don't really trust establishment with my life. Yeah, I don't trust these people with my life, period. So, no, I would have to go where they send me, and I, I just don't believe they, are, they have moral integrity in sending me in a places where I really need to be and where my skills need to be. So, no military, 
no, no way. Uh, even though they pay pretty good. That's something I wrestle with because it, it's something that's always fascinated me on the military front, you know, and it, it's an opportunity to do some pretty awesome, cool, exciting stuff. But then you're quite right, you know, you are fighting for these horrible politicians. Right. In their dirty wars, which is, uh, you know, something to be wrestled with. And you were saying law enforcement you wouldn't do either. If I would be, if I would be law enforcement, that would mean I need to go to my friends and take their guns or get fired and not being able to pay my mortgage or feed my kids, right? You would be standing in front of dead choice. Nothing against law enforcement and uh, and military, right? I know that in Europe, we perceive military a, a bit different than in US, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it, no. I very much admire in the US the way they treat their military, and I think it's something that's admirable, and I'd like to see that sort of treatment happen in the UK and around Europe more. But yeah, it's the executing the you know, political establishment, the, the will of the rich. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I guess is always the moral dilemma. And look, these people, the people who want to go and fight for their country or the people who want to uphold the law, they're good people. They're, they're trying to do the right thing. And I, you know, there's in, in no way are you or I criticizing them. No, thank you. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just it's the challenges they're put under. It's, it's, it's tough. Like, just on that note, law enforcement in Europe might work on them a little bit more because when I was talking uh, with my friend in law enforcement, we actually figured out that maybe three out of 100 police officers actually know how to use a tourniquet. So you need to bump those numbers up. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. You know, get, like you were saying, be the responsible guy who's got the power to take and affect and damage a life and also make make it be able to save lives and help people you know that the motto is to protect and to serve isn't it for a lot of the police Be police officer not just the guy who works at the police we did some ethical training at a bank that i used to work at which had 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 a dire record of <laughs> ethical treatment of its customers etc what they were saying was you know the key thing is to not leave that that, that ethical good person that you are at home when you come into work you know you need to bring mm-hmm. all the best of you into work regardless of what job you do you would treat people with respect outside of work to so do that in work right regardless yeah. of the culture if, if the culture is like let's make lots of money you know people come first yeah it never lasts like if you want to ma- if you want to just make money it, you will make a lot of money in a short period of time and then you're gonna then you're gonna end right it, it's not sustainable so you need to be friendly and uh, respectful that would be the word yeah i totally agree people are not actually assholes they're not most people are really polite nice and respectful people so yeah you can treat them as your friends yeah and i think when it comes to like gun laws and protecting people you know we can't make every single law and decision based on the worst five percent and what they might do you know, it has to be done on what, what the majority of good people, and I believe, like you, and I'm, I'm not religious at all, that people are fundamentally good. Thank you. People, and it's been proven over millions of years, will, majority of the time, make the right decision and behave well and ethically. Right, right. So, talking at a really high level... This is, I guess, the perennial question with guns is, Mm -hmm. 
I like to think I would be sensible, you know, given a bit more training as well, would be a good person to own a firearm and to therefore use it to protect others when in need, you know, if that situation ever arises. You have the luxury of being that guy in Slovakia, someone with the power and ability to protect others, protect yourself, protect loved ones. You've then got other people who all want to have the gun for, for negative reasons, but we'd both agree that those people will always really be able to get their hands on guns anyway. Yes. Uh, sorry to jump in. Just to blame people who are not really around guns. It is not that hard to make a gun. The gun is just a mechanical device, exactly as your car, actually a lot simpler. You can make a gun in your garage. It's not going to be super full auto, very reliable running gun, but it it will be enough. It will shoot a number of rounds. You need to just spray someone with bullets. Yeah, you can do that in a garage. How would you, I'm putting you on the spot here, uh how would you solve the perennial problem which is people who think no one should have guns and people like you and i who think yeah some people should have guns the best defense against a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun that's i guess would be yours and my belief but how how would you go about implementing that um i don't know what you're asking (laughs) (laughs) i'm saying we both believe the best defense against a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Right. Right? So what laws would you advocate in order to have the best of both worlds where the good guys have guns and the bad guys don't? I don't think you can solve that with laws. I really don't. Let's say, do you have a med kit, or like a car med kit? Do you have to have it by law in UK? We don't, know. No, no, I think that's a good idea. I, I personally, I wouldn't know fully how to use it. That's its own problem. Well, the first thing would be to have it. And then you you might know how to use it. Usually people do. You just you know how to use bandage, right? You just wrap that shit around. And that's the law in Slovakia, is it? There is a law like if you have a if you have a car, you have to have a medkit in it. That's great. By law. But then there is that big but. Because it's by law and everybody has to have it, all the med kits are shit. Because it's falling down to a to a price, right? So you just buy a ten dollar med kit and they are absolute shit. But people who are mentally on that level of realizing like there's ten million people in Czech Republic and there's about six hundred people dead every year on the road. So you should probably have a med kit in your car. If that comes from your mind, the med kits are pro, like really, really solid ones that you can actually use, but they're pricey. And when you figure out all that dangers that are around you, you seek training. I don't know what I, where I was going with that. <laughs> law, yeah, law, law uh, regarding guns. Yeah. Law regarding guns. I don't think you can implement law to actually do anything. It come, it needs to come from people themselves. They need to be morally on that level to wield their gun, I would say. I'm not really sure if I'm answering the question. 
No, I think that's bang on. I think that is the right answer. I, I wanted to ask you, because you probably are guys who had a chance to think about that. Why do you think in the US there's a lot more violence than other countries that have... Canada, for example, has a similar level of gun ownership to, a, to the US, yet there's hardly any murders. That's a hard one. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a lot of shit because of that. <laughs> because, <and laughs> first of all, I don't really know. I know. Look, I'm putting. I'm asking you a question about. It's not even your country. You know, it just interests me. I, I'd like to ask Jim if he was on the show, but the, the guy's doing other things. <laughs> what I think that is happening is a socially economical struggle. Americans, I don't think like now. When I'm thinking about it, it might be actually sugar. <laughs> yeah you just can't <laughs> you can't, can't put anything on it yeah high sugar diet yeah <laughs> uh, probably like medication a lot of people are on medications so stuff like that people are spoiled if you feel pinching in your back you are on pain medication like in europe if you feel pinching in the back you just walk it off yeah right so yeah. you're not high all the time yeah, that's very interesting. Actually, other people, some Americans I've spoken to have said similar things. You know, that the elephant in the room is always the big farmer. That's right. Yeah, it's very interesting, Jan. Look, uh, one, one thing I've, I've got to promote is the course you ran for us was fantastic. Thank and you. this is something anyone can do, right? Anyone with like a strong interest in guns from around, around Europe could come over and train with you and, and learn... Um, do, do you do a lot of courses? Is there a whole range? I did the defensive pistol class. Well, I do defensive pistol one and two. I'm preparing three and four. Then I do rifles uh, one and two. I do medical classes. Uh, and I'm preparing a simunition classes, like uh, blue guns. Nice. That's what I do right now. And shotguns. They're not that popular, but once or twice a year, I do I do a shotgun class because they're... Fairly inexpensive, and when uh, when government comes to your guns, shotguns tend to be at uh, at the last place to be seized, as they are perceived as a only as a hunting gun. So that's not really true. <laughs> no, no, no. I tend to think of them as a you know, close range entry guy weapon. And the, these courses, you're mostly running them for local guys, right? Some groups from all over Europe are coming, like like you know Andy and my guys. Yeah, well. Usually they're in a local language, that means Czech. If guys all around Europe want to come, the class will be in English. Uh, I will have uh, dedicated classes on a web, which is shameless plug, paladin-academy.eu. You will find things there. Not really sure. They're, it's not translated in, into English as of right now, but I think you can find out contacts there and uh, shoot me an email. And what's your email for guys that want to get in contact and find out more details? That's the weird name, uh, S-A-F-A-R-I-K, Safarik, uh, at paladin-academy.eu. Fantastic. So there's a whole range of courses there that are not crazily priced. You don't have to fly to the US to do them. Classes in US, there are about 350 550 a day, right? And the classes in here in Europe are about 90 to 110 it's great stuff and you can purchase additional ammo and go through a whole bunch of great drills really build your skill set up one question i wanted to ask you Jan: what's like big news in guns at the moment what's what's the kind of 
things that everyone's paying a lot of attention to and you kind of think might interest our listeners? I mean, the weapons particular, like if there is a next... In the whole thing... world, anything from like the legalities to, you know, new weapon systems to training methods to new tools and gizmos, what, what what's kind of catching your eye? Well, I don't really give a shit about gizmos and tools. If you push that rounded thing and it makes a loud noise it's uh that means it works and uh it's pretty good pretty much good to go uh what is most troubling right now is a european union trying to disarm population as it seems that czech republic will implement a law that limits magazine capacity for 10 rounds to rifles and 20 rounds to pistols motherfuckers yeah yeah that's that's unfortunate what, what, uh, yeah, I, I mean, we're going over this again, but I mean, th- th- there doesn't seem to be a big driver for that. You know, it's, it's not like you, your country experienced mass atrocities or anything like that. There doesn't, you know, you're putting all of your power into the hands of the few, like the government puppets. All these laws actually do trouble me very much because when you think about it, as a government uh, has its muscles in law enforcement, right? And a lot of those people are my friends. And when they try to disarm population, it's the law enforcement that's going to do it. And I don't know what to do to stop all these fucked up laws from happening. Firearms is so much deeper than I think what the left might place on it, you know, which is a simple, no one should have guns and they're, you know, then the world will be safe. Well, there's a thing. People who are not around guns much they tend to put guns into correlation with people who are fat and drunk and are in a pub, like old drunk fat guy in a pub who shows his gun to other friends. Yeah, agreed. That's what people think gun owners are. So when you take all the lawmaking, it is made by these people. It's made by fear. And that's why I tend, yes. I tend to think with all political things. I mean, we had Brexit over over here in the UK and both sides of the equation ran their campaigns based on fear of the negative things that would happen. It's fear and ignorance. Agreed. So when you show these people that you do have a gun, that you actually have more skills and tools on a topic of saving a life, other than taking a life, which means, yes, you carry a gun, but you also carry a tourniquet and you also carry a medical supplies and you have a big ass med kit in your car and you know how to use all of these things. When you show them in a polite manner that you are actually way more efficient in saving a life than they are, they tend to stop judging you as a reliability to a society. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. I mean, to quote Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. But it, right, it's right. true. And I, I know other guys, we had a guy, Mick Thornton, who was on the show. You know, he's, he's a skilled paramedic in his own right because, you know, he, he feels he knows how to hurt people. He, he's done a lot of martial arts. He's uh, done a lot of shooting training, you know, and he needs to be able to fix people on the end of that. Right. Here's the thing. If you need to draw your gun, there's a, some kind of violence going on. After that loud noises, someone is hurt. It's likely you or somebody innocent around you. So yeah, you you shot the bad guy. Good work. Uh, 
you can live your live rest of your rest of your days in a, in a good notion that you've done what needed to be done and you're a, you're a hero. But there's somebody bleeding out, and if you are trying to pull your fucking belt out because that's the fucking stupid shit that still still prevails, like if somebody is gonna be bleeding, I'm gonna pull my belt and I'm gonna stop the bleeding, which doesn't work. And you should know it doesn't work. And if you don't, you just don't have enough training. So yeah, you're just standing there and you are watching innocent people bleed out. Well, you're going to probably shoot yourself in the face in a six months because you just, you failed. You failed to protect life. Going back to the policing element, mm-hmm. it's an oxymoron to think that the police are going to always protect you. The police's primary function is to solve crimes that have already happened. What are you asking? <laughs> it's, a, it's a statement. But, you know, the police, they're going to investigate something after it's happened and try mm-hmm. and catch the person. But, you know, you don't want it to have happened in the first place. And that's where being able to defend yourself becomes key. Yeah, yeah. Well, being able to defend yourself, yeah. But keep your head up. First of all, if uh, you are not, if you're not going to get into a defensive shooting, you're going to be way better off. And understand that if you're going to get into a defensive shooting, it's going to cost you just from a monetary standpoint, right? Uh, it's going to cost you in Czech Republic at least $4,000. It's nothing. We're just starting. So it's $4,000 in loss that if you get into a gunfight, triple it for US and we're just starting because everything is cheaper in Czech Republic. That's just for your legal defense, right? Yeah, just the start of a legal defense. Yeah. 4000 that you don't have to put to a lawyer is uh, 4000 that you just earned, right? So don't go stupid places with stupid people doing stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, Jan, man, look, it's been amazing catching up with you. And I'm going to be back in Slovakia in March. So I hope I'll get to catch up with you again then and maybe have another beer around the campfire and <laughs> awesome. do some shooting. Just one more time for um, people who want to get in touch with you and do some of your training courses or want to learn more about the guns. If you could just repeat the website and your email, that'd be great. The email is uh, safarik at paladin-academy.eu. Yeah, that's the website, (laughs) paladin-academy.eu. Check it out, Paladin Academy. Go and get some training done with Jan. Get your gun shooting skills up. And do it quickly before the EU come and try and take all of his guns, right? Right. And carry loaded guns. That's right. <laughs> all right, guys. Take care. Peace out. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.